0: Hey, Dr. Bill Sinyard here with the Gospel Rant. Well, the rant today is about millennials again. Uh, I just read a Christianity Today online article headline, Half of Millennial Christians Say It's Wrong to Evangelize. I'm putting the, the link in a blog form at my website, www.gospel-app.com or www.takeheartyz.com. Look, it sounds like a bombshell, right? The 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 headline is explosive, but honestly, I think that the author buried the lead, or better, this lead, though it's just explosive, just might cause, as a matter of fact, I think it would cause readers to draw the wrong conclusions about millennials. Listen to other very interesting findings deeper in the article that I think are a lot more helpful. Here we go. Quote, Millennials who identify as born again were the most likely age group to share their faith and that their evangelism habits were growing while other generations were dropping. Well, that sounds like they're interested in evangelizing to me. Here's the quote again. In 2013, two-thirds of millennials said they had presented the gospel to someone within the past year compared to half of born-again Christians in general. Additionally, practicing Christian millennials have the strongest beliefs in the Bible and read it more often than any other generation. 87% read their Bibles multiple times a week, according to a 2016 Barna survey on behalf of the American Bible Society. Look, uh, the, the headline would make you think that millennials just don't like evangelizing at all. But it's not true. There's something else going on, right? They are evangelizing enthusiastically, and they're practicing their faith enthusiastically compared to other generations, including mine, boomers. So what's the mill's beef with evangelizing? I think that's the right question. Well, the finding that struck me the most was the following Barna survey statement that was mentioned in the article, and here it is. If someone disagrees with you, it means that they're judging you. All right, Did did you hear that? Let me say it again. If someone disagrees with you, it means they're judging you. Well, Elders and Boomers and Gen X answered 11%, 9%, and 22%, respectively. Right? Not very high. But millennials, a whopping 40% of millennial respondents said that they were sensing witnessing and judging were more or less synonymous. See, if I witness to you, it's going to make you feel judged. And millennials are very sensitive to that. So per Barnes Kinnaman, Quote, cultivating deep, steady, resilient Christian conviction is difficult in a world of you-do-you do you, or don't criticize anyone's life choices and emotivism, the feeling-first priority that our culture makes a way of life, unquote. I agree. I mean, I think that's true. So what's happening in the emotions of our young adults? Probably a lot of things. It's probably complicated and over my pay grade. Yet, there appears to be a disconnect between... Yeah, I really believe this stuff about Jesus in heaven and the possibility of transformed life beginning now that could help people, help people that I care for. And, well, I don't want to offend others or make them feel criticized or judged. Right? Uh, there's a disconnect. couple of thoughts. I think Barn is right. This generation has been slathered, pummeled by media of all sorts that the best thing you can do today is to be you. You do you. There's a great Diet Coke Commercial out there, you do you. That, that's the cry of this generation, whether you're a Christian or not. And when you do you, that means you shouldn't be judged for that because you're doing you. Who am I to judge you for being you? Or to feel shame, made to feel shame for your choices. You're doing you is valid and honorable, and I need to respect that. So, millennials are hypersensitive to any one group or class or sex or religion, skin color, looking down at another and they're particularly sensitive that the Church of Jesus Christ, in their opinion, has has a long, sordid history of shaming and despising those people who are outside her walls. It sounds like you do me or go to hell. And by the way, I think their observations are largely correct. And I'm willing to confess my guilt in that arena. But I also think that this 40% of millennials who... Who, who, who say that if someone disagrees with you, it means they're judging you. I think that's clear evidence of just how deeply shame has influenced this generation. We've said it before in the Gospel Rant and on my websites and, and in my curriculum, Take Heart YZ. No judgment. Me too. Listen, shame says, who am I to tell you that what you should believe or what you should be doing? I'm not perfect. I'm I'm not a good spokesperson for doing the right things. The best thing I can do is to shut up and keep my head down and work even harder to become a worthy Jesus follower, and hopefully someday a worthy spokesperson, eventually, maybe, hopefully. And until then, i got to be quiet because people see through my hypocrisy. (sighs) Right? I get it. My generation, the boomers, look... (laughs) It's a bit of a caricature, but we appear to be largely unaware of our hypocrisy, our generational denial that doesn't hinder or soften our gospel presentation much at all. All too often, we tell people what they should be doing. And the implication is like me, but they look at my record and go, really? And we're blissfully unaware that our records are pretty spotty and no judgment, right? I'm in that generation. What to do? Well, my boomer tendency is to say, well, this is what we, this is what you should be doing. That's the fix for my generation. So just choose to stop sinning and choose to go and love God's self and others, right? Well, confession time, I've come to see that I don't have that muscle group. And rather, you know, what I'm learning is that the remedy for my shame is the gospel, the simple, uncluttered gospel, we call it. So listen again. It's nothing new. Uh, And yet it alone has power, external power that causes me to actually believe today. Romans 1 16. Uh, Believe what? Well, a lot of things, but in particular, and this is the most important thing for a shame generation, including me, is this. God loves me as I am right now, not as I should be all because of Jesus. Listen to the simple uncluttered gospel. Jesus followers strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2000 years ago. God has to love you. He does love you with all of his heart. As much as the father loves the son and the son loves the father, he can't love you any more or any less than he does right now. He loves you as you are, not as you should be or could be. You can't add to this love or take away from it. And now I get it. It often feels like you've messed up or need to do something so that God would like you better. Not so. How do you experience it more now? Simple. Good news. There is something you can do and are invited to do. You can take daily baby steps to ask the spirit inside of you to make you know, experience, and feel just how much God loves you right now. Just ask. And then ask again later today. Ask tomorrow. The next day. Make it a spiritual habit. And you can find that quote uh, in the blog at the website. So my shame, and we all have it, our shame, let me say, even our deeply entrenched hidden shame, again, which we all have, it actually has a real enemy, this side of heaven. John tells us there is a perfect love that casts out fear, First John 4.18. And shame is ultimately a function of fear. So the more I'm experiencing such a f- perfect love, not just believe in it, but actually I'm experiencing it right now, the hug of God, the honor of God, the devotion of God, the love of God for me, and I'm experiencing it, the less places are available in me for shame to hide. And remember what shame says. Shame tells me that I'm a hypocritical failure. I'm not worthy of speaking in the lives of others, certainly not telling them what a good Christian should be doing. I mean, what can I say? I wonder... Way too much if God's disappointed in me right now, today, or worse. Truth told, I don't want to witness to that person because I need that person's approval. Uh, It's it's a matter of survival that others like me and don't reject me because that hurts too much. It unleashes an emotional turmoil in my brain. Shame. So it's easier for me to say, you do you. Sounds right. I'm not judging them. Honestly, I'm spending way too much time judging myself as a spiritual failure. If I were honest, I just can't believe that God likes me at all right now. Here's shame. You do you. See, I believe that this is the first core message to millennial Christians and Gen X and boomers and elders. Hey, God loves you, adores you, is so proud of you, not due to anything that you've done or not done. It's all because of what Jesus has already done on your behalf 2,000 years ago. But if you want to experience more of that right now, you're not going to get there by working harder. Those are good things, maybe. Uh, Maybe you got the wrong motive and, and doing it for the wrong reason. But here we go. This is something you can do. You can just ask the Spirit in you to make you get it. Calvin argues that that's the wheelhouse of the Spirit, his passion, his secret workings, he calls it. Our role, our invited role, a commanded role, is to ask and ask often and always. So I see a younger generation of Christians uh, who are carrying a load of shame, uh, not their fault, who want a gospel that actually changes lives and relationships right now. Uh, by the way, me too. And and doesn't change lives perfectly. That's heaven. So we don't even claim that. But noticeably. And I also see a younger generations of adults who are Christians or non-Christians who are also looking for the real deal, relational power that really makes a difference in our sense of worth and identity and purpose and hope and relationships and sex and sexuality. And they stand ready to change the church when they get it and change the world. So instead of telling Christians what to do, first we can invite them to ask the Spirit to access God's love for them, Ephesians three fourteen to 21, purchased by Jesus right now. And we start with ourselves. So keep doing that until our shame cries uncle. And then repeat. And you'll notice a change in motivation to, to love God and love others. Not perfectly, but baby steps. You may even... I may even notice a new generation to love yourself, to love myself. Take heart, child of God. Hey, friends, Nicole Eunice here from the How to Study the Bible podcast. I want to invite you to experience a fresh look at the story of Joseph and what it means for you today. Life can totally throw us for a loop, whether it's your family or your marriage, work, church, or something else entirely. Maybe you have found yourself in a season that you never would have expected and that you certainly wouldn't have signed up for. In this six-week Bible study together, we're gonna talk about the biblical story of Joseph, a man who lived an unexpected life and trusted God through it all. We'll talk about the blessings he experienced, the promises God keeps, the way that tests of our character can actually refine our faith. We'll talk about patience. We'll talk about loss. Absolutely talk about redemption. So come join us for the six-week series over on the How to Study the Bible podcast. Can't wait to dive in with you.